When I was growing up, I think kind of like around my teenage years, I remember there was sort of like a genre of movies, or at least a substantial part of a lot of movies, in which like teenagers, when their parents were gone, would throw these like insane parties. And, you know, it's like crazy stuff is happening in the house, like a motorcycle in the swimming pool and goats in the master bedroom and just like insanity everywhere. You know, and I just remember thinking like, I would hate that. Like, I don't understand how that could be a good time because like how do you just relax and enjoy a party if you're perpetually dreading the fact that mom and dad could come home at any minute, you know? Like, how can you just sort of like rest in that? And so, yeah, it just never really made a lot of sense to me. And I bring that up in light of this particular gospel. And it's interesting this time of year, because we just finished one liturgical year. The last several gospels we've had from the conclusion of the gospel of St. Matthew, and then this week, you know, as we start into a new liturgical year in Advent, the church keeps giving us, you know, the words of Jesus about when he's coming again. We know that he's coming back. You know, as we begin Advent, once again, we're not just focusing on his first coming, but on his second. And he's telling us, you know, be watchful, be alert. You know, what I say to you, I say to all, watch. And I think about that in relation to, like, the crazy house party, you know? Like, we're not supposed to live our lives with this sort of, like, underlying dread that he may come back. I mean, we are waiting in joyful hope for the coming of Jesus Christ. Like, we want to be able to like joyfully run out to greet him as I got to pray in the opening prayer today, to run out to greet the Lord with our righteous deeds. And I'll compare like the crazy teenager party at house movie to a current example. And I promise it's not like self-aggrandizement. I'm just getting old and this is what I kind of do when I have some free time. So Black Friday, I'm not a shopper. I can't stand shopping. I'm not interested in that at all. And I had a wide open afternoon. And my parents had been out of town for like three weeks to go visit the family up in Illinois because the grandkids are much cuter than I am, even when I don't have the beard, right? Like, so they go up there and it's wonderful. But this time of year, their house is completely buried in leaves. So I went to their house and I tackled the leaves and, you know, and like mowed the lawn five times to mulch it all down. And like, you could finally see some grass. So then when they came home this past Thursday, it was like, did you see the lawn? Like, I'm excited for them to get to see that as opposed like they're gone and I have Father Rossi over and we trash the house. You know, it's like, ah, that wouldn't be good. So it's like, I was excited for them to come back. It's like, this is something I can give to you when you come home. And I would say, you know, our lives as Christians, it should be the same thing. We shouldn't be full of this like, you know, kind of dread that's always sort of there that, oh my gosh, he might come today. We want to joyfully run to greet the Savior, to say, I knew you were coming, and I'm excited to show you this, right? And I'll tell you, it reminds me, especially here we are on the first Sunday of Advent, and I'll tell you too, this is the shortest that Advent can possibly be. Three weeks from today, is Christmas Eve. It's also the fourth Sunday of Advent. And this year, the fourth week of Advent is like five hours. It doesn't last much time. So we really saved a lot of money on our purple candle budget. It's lovely. So like, it's not going to last very long, but I will say this too. 
we have like a marathon of masses coming because we have the fourth Sunday of Advent, all of that 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 entails, and then Sunday night we move right into Christmas Eve, right up until midnight mass, and that gets me so excited for my favorite liturgical moment of the entire year. I love it at about 1.30 on Christmas morning, at, at like towards the end of the midnight mass, We've had the marathon of masses. We've been working hard. We've heard a lot of confessions during Advent. You know, we worked hard to decorate everything. It's all amazing. We get to that point after Holy Communion, after we purified the vessels, and I get to sit down, and we just sing Silent Night. And that is one of my favorite moments of the whole year because it's like, Lord, we've been working hard. Like, we're giving you all of this, like, doing everything we can for your greater glory and the salvation of souls, to bring everybody as close to you as possible, to bring you to them, them to you, like, to do it all, and then to just sit there and just rest in it for a minute. And it's so beautiful to get to do that with one of my favorite songs of all time, Silent Night, sung so beautifully by Flora and everyone else that's together, and it's just a great moment of resting in our Lord. And it got me thinking, especially as we begin Advent, and thinking about not dreading the coming of our Lord, but being ready to offer him everything that we do, right? Offer him all of the things we participate in, all the the good that we strive to do, that we don't want to live our lives like teenagers dreading the imminent return of their parents, right? We want to be ready to say, I knew you were coming, and look at what I have to offer you. But the beautiful thing is, is it's not just that moment at 1.30 on Christmas morning that is so great. It can be that way all of the time. I mean, he could come at any moment, as he's saying, be watchful, be alert. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. And so I did this a little bit last year, and I decided yesterday to maybe kind of present this again this year. I made up this little, like, um, examination of conscience based on the song Silent Night, Um, I didn't have time to put in the bulletin. I apologize. We have to have the bulletin done like Tuesday at noon. So if you're not on top of it, like you just fall behind. So I apologize. But what I did was I put this examination of conscience on the bulletin board out there on the right-hand side of the narthex. Take a picture if you want it. But I'm going to talk about this each of the next four Sundays. And basically it's, you know, the word silent, holy, uh, calm, and bright. And I thought this first week we could just take a minute thinking about that word silent, Right? To take a minute to be quiet with our Lord, to be able to watch in the way that he wants us to. Because, you know, like, unlike the teenagers that are at the house and do whatever they want, like, you can call ahead and say, Mom, Dad, what do you want me to do while you're gone? What would be a good thing? Like, what do you want to see when you come back to the house? So when they come, you're excited to present that to them. In the same way, we can constantly be in contact with our Lord. And that's what he wants from us, right? He wants us to sit quietly with him. And I'll tell you you related to this, one of the things I hear so often about people struggling in prayers, like, Father, I'm just so distracted. I get distracted all the time. Here's the thing. When it comes to spending some time in silence with him, don't worry about those distractions. Because half the time, it's stuff that's going on in your life that maybe you need to work it through with a loved one. And who is the better loved one to work with than Christ himself, who loves you with an undying love? And to say to him, this is what's going on right now. Like, I don't understand it, but I am really impatient here lately. Like, for some reason, my family members are driving me nuts. Now, you may be like, how did he know? Well, I hear confessions for a living, right? I don't hear about many bank robberies. Like, it's not that hard not to rob a bank. 
it is incredibly hard to be patient with the people we love the most. How can he know? Because everybody has a hard time being patient with the people they love the most, right? And so just to be there with him and to say, like, why? Like, why am I having such difficulty? My husband, my wife, my kids, my brother, my sister, my aunt, my, you know, all these different people. Why is this? Like, help me. Help me to love them, right? Because notice, when, when Jesus gives us this example, the master leaves the home and places his servants in charge, each with his own work. He wants all of us doing what he's placed us here to do. I mean, yes, there are missionaries of the poor, and they're wonderful. I'm grateful they were here last week, and they do amazing work in places like Jamaica and Uganda and all over the world. But you have your home. You have the place where you live, your workplace, the people that you live with, the things that he's asking you to do. And just to be there with him for 5, 10, 15 minutes and to talk to him from your heart about what's going on and to do that in that silence. And I would say this time of year is so great for it because either you got the advent wreath at the house, light the candle, sit there in that glow, or sit at the foot of the Christmas tree. They're beautiful. Shut off the TV for a few minutes, and if you got to have the phone somewhere, put on a timer for seven minutes, put it upside down and set it over there, and just talk to him for a while. You'd be amazed how quickly that seven minutes will go by. But just to be silent for a bit, to know that fact that he does love you, that he's put you in charge of your own work, right? That he wants you to be fulfilled as you cooperate in proclaiming the gospel in the place that he's placed you to do that. And that just might mean changing the next diaper, right? And that's okay because he wants you to do these things because it's an expression of his love lived out in you. And when we're quiet with him and we let him speak to our hearts and we speak to him from ours, we know more and more about what it is that he wants from us. And the more that we cooperate with that, the more we live that out, the more that that dread of him coming back dissipates. The less we're like crazy teenagers who have been trashing what we've been given, but rather we're cooperating with him. And then more and more as we look forward to his second coming, when we can say, I knew you were coming back, and look, this is what I've been doing. This is what I have to offer you. And the glory of that is, is it's not just the resting in that and knowing that he has come, as we're going to do with the silent night, and I'm so excited for that moment. But the glory for us is, is it doesn't just have to be at that moment, to be quiet with him, to spend some time in silence, to have that silent night of having a good relationship with him all the time. Then, more and more, the darkness of dread is dissipated. More and more, we know what's going on, and more and more, we will be ready to run and greet him when he comes with our righteous deeds, knowing that one who has come to us will be ready to come to him. Praise be Jesus Christ.